Oh baby, oh baby. I am who I am, my name is my name, and welcome into another video with me, Hunter Sands, shooting the shit with Sands, another fantasy video, you saw the title. I don't do long intros, but let me get this out the way. I have a couple apologies to the people who have watched my videos, okay? One, I did not know I had to pay to download these videos in 1080p from the former recording service that I was using. Okay, I did not know my settings were messed up. I was downloading the video in 720p just based off the dimensions I was using. It was a rookie mistake on my part, and I've been doing this for three years, so that's not good. All right, that's just not good. And the sound quality, I'm working on it. I believe I got it fixed because I think it was the AirPods. I really do hear uh, having the AirPods in. I just like them in so I don't talk quiet during the pod. And that's what I wanted to address also. The Mark Andrews segment in inside the Zay Flowers segment, I apologize for that. I came back three hours later. I was reviewing it while I was editing it. And I was like, oh, shit. I forgot to talk about Mark Andrews. And for reference of why I feel this strongly about this, go check out my video. It'll be in the description of the good, the bad, and the ugly of the top nine running backs in the draft. Let's get into the video. Okay, guys, so wide receivers are the meta because I know you're watching this very curious as to why I would say this because you're going all those opportunities that Arby's have, all those touches, the amount of targets that Arby's get, the amount of catches that Arby's get, plus the running opportunity. I think y'all over-exaggerate that, and let me tell you why. So just for the record, look at this piece of paper. You can't really see it. These are all the stats that I've looked up by myself. I'm, I'm in reverse, so it's, it's mirroring, so it's hard. Right, I've looked up all these stats on my own. So if somebody else has had this argument, I promise I am tapped out on sports podcast, fantasy podcast. I've been locked into my own shit. So if you want to say I'm copycatting, go ahead. I haven't seen this theory yet, and I'm not looking for it though. Now, what we're gonna go through right now, you gotta walk with me and let me look at my stat sheet. I know it's not a good look, but these are hard stats, they're very intricate. I will put them on the screen. Okay, so we are going through touches, points touchdowns, points per touch, and touchdowns per how many touches, all right? So we're going last three years, 2020 wide receivers, 97 touches on average in the top 10, averaging 242 points and 11 touchdowns. That is 2.5 points per touch in a touchdown every nine touches, right? So let's keep that in mind, 242 points averaging 97 touches when I get to the RBs. So the running backs are averaging 291 touches. Oh my God. They're averaging 230 points, 12 points less than the wide receivers. They are also averaging the exact same amount of touchdowns. So you average that out. That's 0.8 points per touch in a touchdown every 26 touches. 2021 wide receivers, 110 touches, 262 points. 11.4 touchdowns. That is 2.4 points per touch and a touchdown every 9.6 touches. And for the running backs, 293 touches, gaudy number. But once again, they get outscored by the top 10 wide receivers with an average of 250 points and 13.6 touchdowns. That's an average of 0.9 points per touch and a touchdown every 22 touches. 2022, my last year, 105 touches for the receivers, 249 points, and 9.2 touchdowns. That's a low year for the for the wide receivers. 
that's 2.4 points per touch and a touchdown every 11 touches with the running backs. They averaged 315 touches last year. Go look it up yourself if you don't believe me. 263 points and 12.5 touchdowns. That is 0.8 points per touch and a touchdown every 25 touches. The reason I bring this up is because the perception of RB is they get all the goal line work, they get more opportunities to score fantasy points, so on and so forth. And I bring this up because I feel like people have this perception of running backs where there's less variance at that position than wide receiver. So you want to talk about the depth and all that with wide receiver. And I know you're asking, well, what about the drop-off point? The depth at wide receiver is so high. Why wouldn't I wait till in later rounds to get a wide receiver? Well, I looked at it in the real drop-off point where you see a 20-point, 25-point uh, difference is around the 205 mark, right? So over the last three years, the 205 mark drop-off with wide receivers, wide receiver 10, wide receiver 15, then wide receiver 10. With running backs, the drop-off point was RB8 one year, RB11 another year, and RB13 the next. So you're not looking at this huge difference in a drop-off rate with running back and wide receiver. I really feel like the wide receiver position is very top-heavy in that top 10, but they produce more consistently, and I have the proof right here in the variance. So this is ADP versus finish with the top 10 running backs. And I left off Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup because those guys missed an extended amount of time or they had nagging injuries. I can't do it for all the rest of those players, right? I picked one from each, okay? So, so Dalvin Cook drafted at RB4, finished RB10. Joe Mixon drafted at RB6, finished RB12. Najee Harris drafted at RB7, finished RB14. Alvin Kamara drafted at RB9, finished at RB18. DeAndre Swift drafted at 8, finished at 22. So now let's look at some lower-ranked guys that got drafted and were RB2s or RB1s. Let's look at this. Jarek McKinnon drafted at 65th at his position, finished RB21. Nick Chubb, a second-round pick, nothing crazy, but he was RB14 last year. That's a second- or third-round pick. He finished RB5. I got more. Jamal Williams, RB49, the definition of touchdown variance. He finished at RB8. Kenneth Walker, drafted at 41, finished 16th. Josh Jacobs, drafted at 23. RB23, his position, finished RB3. Now let's go to the top 10 wide receivers. Crazy how this works. Justin Jefferson drafted at number one, finished number one. Stephon Diggs drafted at number four, finished number four. C.D. Lamb drafted at number six, finished number six. So what do you want with variance? More or less? I would say less. And let's go to the whole top 10 of wide receivers. Look at this. Tyreek Hill drafted number nine, finished wide receiver three. A.J. Brown drafted number 10, finished wide receiver five. Devontae Adams drafted number five, finished number two. All you see is them going up. And let's finish out the top 10 because there are examples of bad shit. I even put Debo Samuel in this study. How about it? Debo Samuel drafted number seven, finished 38. 
Jamar Chase drafted number three with a bad hip injury, still finished wide receiver 13. And Mike Evans was the real bad drop off because he played all year, drafted wide receiver eight, finished wide receiver 16. And guess what? He was on one of the worst offenses in the NFL. In the NFL, man. Because I truly believe with the running back position, it is actually situational in the modern day NFL. This is why. If you're up a lot, what are you going to do? Run the ball. That's the perception, right? In this new era of football, go look at what happened to the Chargers. They were up 27-0 to and they lost in the playoffs. You cannot take your foot off the gas pedal. They're still throwing in the, in the second half. And if you're down a lot, very obvious. You're going to throw more, correct? That's more points, more opportunities for your wide receivers. And let me get this straight. I'm not telling you do a no RB strategy. All right, I've never done that. I don't know if I'll do it this year, but I'm seeing guys going in the fourth to seventh round that are of great value. The first guy I want to talk about is Joe Mixon. He's going to RB16. Now, we had those off-the-field issues. We had the rumors of the Bengals cutting him. He's getting drafted in the fourth, fifth round. Joe Mixon has never finished below RB13, and the one year he did, he got hurt, and he was RB11 fantasy points per week. And this is a guy who has no explosive plays. They were second last in the league to Houston in explosive running plays. So you're looking at a guy in Joe Mixon who just couldn't get free, who couldn't break that initial tackle. And that's not his go-to. But if you watch Joe Mixon play, you know he's a talented running back. And considering he's in a top five offense this year and last year, like I just don't see how the production doesn't stay steady for a dude who didn't even average four yards a carry and finished in the top 12 in running backs last year. The second guy I wanted to talk about, Damian Pierce. Weeks 2 through 10, when he became the bell cow and before the injury, he had 154 carries compared to 11 for all the other running backs there. He was RB12 within those nine weeks on the worst offense in football, and he was only 61 yards away from a 1,000-yard season with that injury. And I know what you're saying, but what about the acquisition for Devin Singletary? They brought him in for pass protection. Now, I have seen jumps in a Ronald Jones for the Buccaneers with a Rashad White even, how they're talking about him in pass protection on third down plays. So there is a huge, huge, huge possibility that you get this guy at RB18 in the 5th, 6th, 7th round, and you're looking at a dude who's going to end the year with 1,000 yards and what, eight touchdowns? He's going to end in the top 20? So the next running backs I wanted to talk about was the Chiefs' backfield. Jarek McKinnon is going so deep in the draft, you may not have to draft him to have him on your team. He was RB7 in points per week. He had two number one finishes, a top six finish, and three top 25 finishes last year in the best offense in the NFL, right? You got Patty Mahomes, man. It's always going to be 28 to 30-something points. And with Isaiah Pacheco, a guy you can get in the seventh or eighth round as a rookie last year, he had seven top 21 finishes last year as a running back. I mean, guys, this... This is crazy because you get the best of both worlds if you have both of them on your team. I'm not saying you can start both of them, but if you get both of them on your team, you're looking at the goal line back for the Chiefs. Yes, the throw percentage and touchdowns inside the 10-yard line for Patrick Mahomes is crazy, 
But if he's the goal line back and they give him more work inside the 10, then you get the third down back where they're passing a lot in this offense anyways with Jarek McKinnon, and you have a high upside with the catching opportunities. And my last example, when there are plenty of these, even like a Kenneth Walker, an Aaron Jones, even though he's on the decline, and an A.J. Dillon where you don't know which one to choose, I'm just saying these guys have RB2 potential if in the first couple rounds you just get these top-notch wide receivers. The last guy I got is DeAndre Swift, and you're like, that was so disappointing last year. And it was, and it felt like he was never 100%, and it felt like the Lions were never 100% on him. I was very high on him last year. Even with all that going on, DeAndre Swift was fourth in fantasy points per touch, third in yards per carry, and a top 25 guy in points per game. That's what you're looking at. And then you go, okay, so what makes it different here? What competition does he really have? I know they signed Rashad Penny, but I call him orthopedic Penny for a reason. I'm not saying you should depend on that, and I know that's kind of why it's going low, plus the expectation versus production of last year. But look at what they did with Miles Sanders in that offense. Just a straight run attack. He was drafted at RB34, Miles Sanders, and finished RB13th. And I could totally see that improvement with a guy in DeAndre Swift who is getting drafted 59th overall, man. Fifth, sixth round pick. Even if you're a guy that goes RBRB, you're looking at a dude where you can get those two receivers in the fourth round, fifth round, and then get this guy as a flex, and he has super high upside, man. So that, that's all I wanted to say, guys. I really went through the data, and you can tell me it's confirmation bias or whatever you want. I am sold that this year specifically, and now I'm seeing over the last three years, the wide receiver is actually the meta. And don't get it twisted. I did not do this research on standard leagues. And now it's because half-point PPR and PPR formats are just way more popular than standard formats of leagues. Now, I'm an old-school fantasy player. I've been playing for over a decade. So I'm in a decade-long league with basically the same people, a 12-man, that's just standard. And I think we are moving to half-point PPR next year. So that's why this is in half-point PPR format. So that's the conclusion to my thesis the wide receiver is the meta. Thank you guys for watching my content. Thank you for watching the video. I love you all who are watching. Drop that like. Drop the notifications. Drop the subscribe. Give me a comment. Tell me I'm dumb. Tell me this is genius. You're thinking out of the box, man. I don't care. Let's start a dialogue in the comment section. I love interacting with you guys. But I also have a hour-long podcast where I talk about NBA basketball. I'm a big NBA nut. I'm a league pass owner. Three screens at one time stuff, okay? I know my NBA. I know my fantasy football. So y'all go check out the other fantasy videos I have, and mostly in reference to this, and mostly to refer back to my main point, like I said in the intro. Go to that the good, the bad, the ugly of the top nine running backs in fantasy this year. That will give you a basis point of why I actually feel this way. But yeah, man, thank you all. I'm out. Deuce!